Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Damn, hell! It speaks. It speaks! What? soul! I am Ripper. Terror. Slasher, gouger, I am the teeth in the darkness, the talons in the night. Mine is strength and lust and power. I am the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you'll know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show. Episode 650 is underway. And right next to me is a person who keeps me out of trouble, well, almost all the time. Kimmy, I got one name. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi, I'm Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. And that's so true. And it is a Wednesday, the day this show is uploaded. And, Kimmy, what is a Wednesday? That would be New Comic Book Day. That is right, New Comic Book Day. And, by the way, we have the uh, the list of the brand new stuff, the brand new merchandise, the brand new comic books, trade paperbacks, graphic novels, all that stuff, you know, apparel and things like that. Yeah, yeah you know, the sweatshirts and t-shirts yeah 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 yeah, that kind of stuff we have all that that is uh, right at comic book stores almost exclusively to comic book stores released today and if you'd like to find out what those items are including those comic books as i said certain issues and things by the way there's really cool gotham action figures that are out too yeah yeah check them out we have the entire uh list right on our website at rileyandkimmy.com also with that list is a uh, well comic book shop locator Ooh. in case you don't know where where to go okay so you can find that just put your zip code in and voila you're right there where you need to be 1.5 miles out all the way out to 50 miles with that zip code mm-hmm. you're bound to find someplace and by the way if you're in the space coast area be sure to check out our friends the viera comics brand new uh, comic book store from melbourne swing on by say hi to peter the shop owner and carrie and everybody else there mm-hmm. from uh, the riley and kimmy show said hey Right? Hey. I never get to say hey. When I lived uh, somewhere in the south, I was one of the first. Th- I, I thought I moved into, you know, uh, the, Andy Griff- yeah, well, the Andy Griffith show, you know? Yeah. Because hey I was getting, I, I, I actually got that. You know, it was hey. 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 Anyway, I find myself saying hey. You say hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. All right. Well, thank you for saying hey. It's better than saying hey because that's one of your favorites is hey. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. You, you and Fonzie, right? Mm mm. Kimmy is in a wired mood. I guess that's because she didn't have a nap before this episode. When you know she doesn't have you quit knocking things over in the studio. The studio, the studio is all pristine, and I got it nice and you know surgical in here. It's like an operating room in there. You just drop something down. Look what you just did. I'm Grendel, and I am Beowulf. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, jeez, you. You know that's funny. You mentioned that because Grendel and Beowulf, because the person we're going to talk to here in just a moment. Knows Grendel and Beowulf, not personally, but knows the <laughs> legend. <laughs> he knows the legend quite well and has studied that over the years. Now, it's Lucas Munson we're talking to. He is a comic book writer, graphic novel writer, also has been a uh, teacher in English and literature. He's uh, smart. Uh, he's real smart. He can read and he can write. And we talk with him on this episode. We're going to talk about uh, some of the comic book projects he has right now including the work he's doing with Cool As Heck, the artist-illustrator, you know, sequential artist friend of the Mm -hmm. Riley and Kimmy show. So without further ado, let's go into the world of mythology and comic books, tying them all together with a fun nerd interview with Lucas Munson on the Riley and Kimmy show. Lucas Munson joins the Riley and Kimmy show. Now, Lucas is a writer-creator, I guess would be the right title to throw onto you, right? A writer-creator? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 
and and you you work in a world of comic books, graphic novels, uh, sequential art, right? Indeed, yeah. Primarily, I also do a little bit of short stories, and then uh, got a couple of children's books that I'm working on as well. Wow, you are busy. Yes, yes. Now, I'm kind of curious here. First of all, before so we can get into just uh, one of those fluff softball kind of questions. You are talking to, well, we are in Central Florida, sunny Central Florida, and you are up in what I call Minnesota, uh, and and how are things in Minnesota right now? Is it snowing yet? Uh, no, we're probably uh, a, a solid month away from snow at this point, I would say. Okay, all right. Uh, at, at the earliest, I would say, like a month from now, we may get some, but... Uh... I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we have a brown Christmas again like we had last year. Okay, well, see, I know your world quite well because I spent some time uh, because of Kimmy uh, doing genealogy research up there a long time ago oh, okay. before we moved to uh, Florida, and she has relations in that territory. So I And I know because I grew up in the Midwest that you know summers are incredibly excruciating hot at times, and, <laughs> yes. and winters are the total polar opposite it's like yeah a, and people yeah. would complain to me down here they go well it sure is hot in central florida it sure is hot and i go wait a minute i grew up where corn was grown and corn doesn't <laughs> grow unless there's a lot of humidity and yeah. there's a lot yeah. of heat so yeah and you I, know, I spent a little time in florida and the one thing that i can say yeah it definitely gets hot but it does seem to always have a nice thunderstorm to cool things off a little bit in the evening uh we'll go for weeks straight without any relief at all and it uh it can get uh it can get pretty crazy up here, yeah. And and the Midwest thunderstorms are in are severe because they build yeah. and they build and they build and yeah. and and then and then whammo, you know. And they don't just go away here. You know, we get the Gulf pushing them out or the the ocean pushing them away. So they just go away and then you know it, it's an afterthought. And you'll go, oh wait a minute, it'll be back tomorrow afternoon about three o'clock. We'll have a little break. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I, so we got you up in the North Pole and you're talking to uh, <laughs> the equator. So that's what we got going here. And you Perfect. are connected with somebody who is a, uh, a almost a brother to the Riley and Kimmy show, and that is cool as heck illustrator artist and cool you know has given me his material to look over the time and i've fallen in love with especially one thing i'm aware of that you're associated with and i will botch the title so i'm gonna let you do the title I'm, i'll just give you the clue what it is and it is about odin yes so that is the brisingamen and let me tell you that both jeff my brother and inks and myself have been butchering our own title for months. Okay, because we were we were pr previously calling it the Brison Game, and because we didn't know, I, I don't I don't speak you know Norse or whatever. Uh, and then it dawned on Jeff one day that hey, why don't we just Google this thing and see how we actually should be pronouncing this? And uh, that was kind of like a duh sort of moment. And uh, it is Brisingamen, uh, as we have come to know via the internets. So thank you, internets. Okay, now. Out of curiosity, how did you go down the path of Brisingamen? How did you go into actually Norse? You're tapping into Norse, the Norse world, the the hardcore, the true, the 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 bare bones, uh, compared to certain other comic book sources that have went down the Norse path and kind of you know Disneyfied it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I I have um, for many years been interested in the pantheon of, of Norse tradition. Um, but I had never really known a whole lot about them. Uh, there's a cool little book that um, Neil Gaiman did called Odd and the Frost Giants, uh, probably better part of a decade ago, I'd suppose. And um, it had some Norse elements in there. And um, it was one of the first times where I had seen someone take a more traditional uh they borrowed more traditional Norse references and I go, boy, this is pretty interesting. And it just kind of stayed in the back of my mind as, Hey, this is something I'd like to learn more about. But, um, you know, then I'd go back to just doing whatever. And I'd kind of forget that, that I wanted to look into that. Um, many years later, the Thor movie came out and I thought it was just a, a complete abomination. Uh, it, 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 made me laugh for the wrong reasons. Now, was it abomination and, uh, of the of the Marvel source or of the Norse mythology? Which which one are I, you? I think it was both. I'm not a huge Marvel guy just okay. to begin with, but I do I enjoy the movies. I enjoy the stories. I think they're fun. Um, but that one was it just seemed like a massive and it seemed like there was an opportunity for somebody to actually go and take a look at the original tradition 
the original sources and come up with an interesting story that would maybe clue some people into more about the mythology, more about the culture and the tradition and some of the themes that go along that must have been important to these people, you know, the, the thousands of years ago here. Um, cue forward a little further, and uh, Jeff and I started talking about wanting to work on a project together. And I go, boy, you know, I don't have any great ideas deep in the recesses of my brain right now, but let me think over something that I think would match your style well, and let's see what I can come up with. And I, I thought on it for a couple of days, and I go, oh, this could be a great opportunity to dig into some Norse stuff. Jeff just has such a way of uh, doing a great job with big burly dudes and, uh, uh, you know, beautiful women and uh, the cold and the snow. And uh, I think that we nailed it. We, we found the perfect project to work together. Now, what's interesting with you, and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, make yours or lessen yours in any way. What it reminds me of, though, in a way, is a number of years ago, you remember when Beowulf, the animated Zemeckis film, came out? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, what it reminds me of is um, they came out with a live action film. Most people don't realize a limited release at the same time period, or right after it, and it was by Gerard Butler, or Gerard Butler, who did Three Hundred, and he okay. played he played in Beowulf, and it was an actual explanation of how that myth began. And oh, cool! And it, and they shot this thing in Iceland and and some other parts of the Norse area, and. It didn't, you know, it was not a box office success. Let's put it that way. I don't, sure. know, if it, it, I don't know if it played in four theaters. Uh, I did see it, and I, I have it somewhere on the DV, on a DVD, and yeah. because I loved it, because it dealt with, you know, how this became this legend, and it was nothing like what we read now or what it's been distorted into. And that's right, what I was right. kind of getting from your and Jeff's material. You know, this is sort of like a let's get away from all the weird. You know, I don't know, weird, but commercialized type yeah, stuff that, that's right. embedded it. And you're down to what maybe was told at a, a campfire, and then it got twisted a little bit, and got twisted a little bit, and got twisted a little yep. more. That kind of thing, right? Right. And now I've twisted it just a little further. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was a high school English teacher for a number of years. Uh, I had taught Beowulf. I've studied Beowulf in depth. And it was another one of those pieces that really sparked my interest in that tradition and it's it's interesting that uh there's a lot of really cool literary devices that they use in beowulf and i and i'm taking directly from that uh in some of the language and some of the names that i'm using um for common common things so for instance you might call the ocean the whale road mm. uh you know you um you might call a a, a sword a bone, a bone spear, or something like that. There are these really interesting, creative, uh, descriptive ways of renaming common things that um, you'll see if you go back and you take a look at Beowulf. That this happens all throughout it, and I think that for some people it makes it confusing. Mm. And I'm trying to not, I'm trying to make it so that when I do it, it isn't confusing. That the things that I'm referencing is like, oh, the whale road. Oh, that's the ocean. That makes sense. The whales would use that as their road. Um, but I think it really adds this really cool little, uh, very authentic Norse literary device. Um, but also it adds just to the, the flowery language and the, the interesting descriptions uh, that, and it's a lot of fun writing. It's a lot of fun thinking in that more uh, metaphorical kind of way. So you're not adding the old Stan Lee, I mean, we're talking Silver Age box at the bottom with the asterisk says, and this happens to be a blah, 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 <laughs> you know? No, no, I'm, I am assuming that my reader is intelligent enough to get clued in on what I'm talking about. <laughs> or at least I hope I'm writing it well enough that people can feel clued in on it. <laughs> so I, I will take full credit if anybody has a hard time and is going, what is this guy talking about? I guess that's my fault. But so far, I think we're doing all right. Well, you know, that might be actually a good thing is because actually, and I, I know you're not a big fan, as we discussed, of, of Marvel, but that was the one thing it did, the Silver Age uh, Thors, and I'm not, and into the, you know, the early 70s Thors, not, uh, we're not talking now or in the last 20 years, but that early source material, it caused me to go, the early Marvel material caused me to go to other source material to, yeah. you know, re, because 
you know, let's face it, they didn't really explain a lot of things, but they kind of, right. you know, they, it was just like a, I don't know, a dirt road I went down. I wanted to go down the superhighway. And sure. so I, you know, I remember that was when I first read a Thor comic book, which was actually a Thor insert in um, Dynamite Magazine, a kid's magazine that they gave to uh, kids in grade school. And they had this, Marvel had this great deal going on with them and they'd have like Origins printed. And I'm like, wow, check out this origin, you know? And I read, I wanted to read more. So I got a Thor comic book. And I'm like, wow, I want to read really what this is about. And so I actually went to the public library, you know, because we didn't have, yeah. like, we didn't have internet back in those old days. <laughs> and right. and I, I started reading those, those, those myths and yeah. just fell in love with them. And, you know, so maybe, you know, even if they don't know when they're reading your thing, maybe it'll cause somebody to use a smartphone <laughs> to, yes. to yep. uh, read something, you know? Yeah, I, I hope so, too. And I've had a lot of fun. So the majority of what we have that we know about Norse myth comes from two sources, the Prosetta and the Poeticetta. And they're both things that I've I've dug into. I've been reading. I'm gleaning my uh, my story plot points from those original sources and i've had a ton of fun looking at them and it's it's what's prompted this whole story and i'm sure that i i would love it if reading my thing would cause somebody to go back and pick one of those up and look at it you know online and read some of the stories because there's a ton of really wacky interesting fun adventurous stuff in there that i'm not even pulling there's tons of additional stories and uh i think anybody would just have an absolute blast some of the stuff that is coming up in in our series that I have pulled is just the craziest stuff, and to think that it you know these these Vikings around campfires are talking about you know just some of the wackiest story elements that are just so fun and creative and adventurous. I I, I certainly hope that uh, the Brisingamen will get somebody to to pick up some of that stuff and dig in a little deeper. Certainly. Do Do you think I'm I'm just kind of curious that you know back in the day when that was being done when in, you know, when they were sailing to whatever territory they were exploring or conquering or pilfering from or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think they actually believed the stories or were they sort of like today with comic books are, you know, was, was it that or did they, were they actually worshiping, you know, the gods of Asgard? Did they believe, or was there a time period where they did and then they just kind of, it, it just became comic book kind of, I, I don't mean to be insulting to the Yeah, the no, Norse. I, I totally understand the question. And it's it's interesting. I'm not sure. I feel like, um, so I, I'll, I'll say a couple of things and I'll have to swing back to the second one. The first thing I'll say is, in my telling of Odin, I'm taking the unique position that Odin wasn't born a god, that he was born a man. And in fact, any of the Norse gods are just people and that they did these very legendary things. They ended up into some, there are some supernatural elements to what's happening in the, in the tale I'm telling, but it's through these legendary acts that after generations of retelling, uh, the bards, you know, then, uh, you know, lift them up into this pantheon. Um, something very interesting that I've discovered in looking at the Eddas and also at Beowulf is there's a lot of scholarly discussion about what was changed to fit in with Christian tradition that had made its way into uh, Norway and Iceland and these places where they were telling these stories. Right around 500 AD or so, right? Yeah, Roughly? I, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, that sounds about right in my timeline. And I believe that the Eddas were written not until like the 12th century or something uh -huh. uh, ad and that it was still being retold for generations and finally somebody had the forethought because they did not have written language uh to the point where they could write an entire story like this down it was all vocal tradition mm -hmm. somebody finally decided to write it down but they were already firmly ensconced in the christian tradition and so it does seem like a lot of what we have is uh, is sort of an amalgamation of the original Norse tradition, and then there is uh, there are these Christian elements that have been kind of mixed in. And if you if you get a good translation of Beowulf, it's a very short story. It would take you an afternoon. But if you find somebody that knows what they're talking about, uh, that's written on the subject, they'll pinpoint specific verses or chunks that they feel have either been change to um, placate Christian uh, authorities or that would have been changed to try to insert some Christian tradition into these tales to then 
spread that Christian tradition throughout the areas that would have been, you know, telling these stories. So uh, I think that's a pretty fascinating thing to think about. And I think there's a lot of really cool stuff if you wanted to dig into it out there to learn more about that. Now, I, I don't mean to insult what you're writing or, or, or to trivialize it or with this question, because this is a nuts. This is a question from the nutland. This is I, I got <laughs> okay. a whack, I got a whack job question for you here. Do you right, think do that there's po- yeah? This is I mean this is way out there. This kookland. <laughs> do you think that there's a possibility? We're going X Files here. That these were extraterrestrials that cause that there were astronauts uh, that may have visited. Uh, that, so that, yeah, I mean, you, certainly in your Marvel tradition, you have the Rainbow Road, uh, the Rainbow Bridge, and you've got these astral planes and uh i don't know i don't mean they had a rainbow bridge necessarily but maybe they got a ship you know but but, i mean you know uh, sure sure no there there are all these i mean uh i believe asgard is what's is called earth uh where we live is asgard am i i'm I'm, maybe i'm screwing up my own own thing here midgard part you're right midgard (laughs) asgard was the the land of uh odin and his children and the gods so yeah midgard is is earth um, I don't know. I suppose to me that seems kind of akin to, you know, heaven being up above the clouds in, in Christian tradition or, uh, you know, the, the different spheres of the heavens in, you know, medieval tradition. And um, I think that when people invent tales of higher powers, they have to put them someplace. And up there seems as good of a place as any. Okay, um, I I'm certainly a fan of X Files and the and extraterrestrial thoughts and uh, you know uh, I'm totally game. But in my story, no, I, there's no extraterrestrial element to it. If I remember correctly, 1973, 74, two, right around there, the the book uh, by Eric von Doniken was uh, you know Chariot of the Gods and dealt with you know oh. dealt with uh, gods. You know, actually, astronauts uh, from other worlds uh, influencing certain parts of the world. You know, because they'd be visiting not just one part; they'd be yeah. going around, and, and these stories started coming about from them. You know, over time, I, I don't know if that's you know. <laughs> I just remember it's kind of you know. You know, it, I, I don't know where the pyramids came from, yeah. and I was just at Stonehenge two weeks ago, and I'll tell you what, it, it felt a little weird. So hey, Whoa. weirder things have happened. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll say that much, I guess. That's right. I forgot you were a traveling man. You you went yeah. over to uh, Europe for a little bit, or to uh, yeah, I did. I, I lucked out and won some kind of crazy contest, and they sent me to London for a few days, and I. Uh, I traveled around a little bit and uh, had a lot of fun. It has uh, caused my life to to devolve into chaos a bit here uh, ever since trying to get books ready for convention season here. And uh, but yeah, it was certainly certainly fun and uh, a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's for sure. Do you think uh, your little experience, your little jaunt over there, will influence some uh, writing down down the road? Yeah, certainly will. Yes, and actually in Brisingamen itself, because uh, at the British National History Museum they have an amazing collection of actual Norse artifacts, oh. and I took quite a few pictures. There's some incredible uh, metalwork, very ornate metalwork, really cool original uh, axes and swords, oh. and uh, yep, they're they're all visual yeah. pieces. I'm sharing with my buddy Cool, and I'm sure some of that'll make its way into our into now, our books. Do they have some of the sea craft there by chance? I didn't see any of that. Okay, because no, no, it was mostly small stuff. Now they do down here at uh, uh, Disney Epcot. I'm sure it's a replica that they have of that. Okay, <laughs> sure. Uh, they do have a museum, little a little one that has. They do have some sword and, and uh, armor, and oh, cool. and, and they do have that. But they they do have like a replica, and I was amazed how small that thing really was when you think yeah. of how far, you know. Oh my god! They, it's they tra- true. Yeah. I, I was like. I, I, I couldn't, I mean, it wasn't that big. And as a kid, you think, wow, there's really big, you know, vessel. And it's not that big at all that they travel great, great distances in. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I, it is incredible. that I mean, you know, they'd say that they made it here to the United States and to Canada. They were all over the place. And do, do you believe, ships. Do you believe that possibly the bubonic plague is what caused them to be knocked down? My understanding is because they were so isolated that when the plague hit them, their immune systems weren't able to fight it off or ward it off to the degree that some parts of like Europe were because they were because they, uh, you know, that, and they didn't have interbreeding or not. No, I mean, outside breeding, they didn't, you know, they kept their gene pool their own for the most part. And that is what caused the bubonic plague to really hit them and, huh. and wound them. Now I've also 
read people who believe, and I, and I do not support this theory, that because they were imbibing quite a bit uh, during those winter, you know, meat hall moments where they were, you know, rousing up that it also may have caused a little down movement in the society after a period of time, generation, generation, oh, generation, generation. Um, yeah, I haven't looked into the the downfall of of the Viking. Because uh, I don't yet. get I don't get why when you look yeah. at where they were at like 900 AD or so, it's like wow. I mean, they were traveling down to Africa and, and, and right. they had a huge travel path. Um, you know, I'd, yeah, I guess I I kind of assumed that because of the assimilation of cultures of you know it, the the Christian tradition kind of taking over and spreading, it seemed. I guess just in my mind that, oh, they must have just sort of assimilated with, you know, other cultures in the area. But, yeah, I, I have not looked into it, and you could be entirely correct. I don't I don't know about that one. You know, I, I'm i wild here. You know, I'm a little whack job. So, <laughs> you, you, and you got me because I was really looking forward to talking because, you know, when I first was, became aware of you, I'm like, ooh, because I love this stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, yeah, cool. It's like you, gotta, you two got to get connected. I go, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> because what's funny is I, I told you before we recorded this, I would say this, is – uh, when that Thor stuff that you don't like in the movie theaters came out, um, Kimmy, I took to the the theater, and she she is Norse. I mean, her whole family that, oh. that, that you know are from Sweden, and she uh, cannot speak the language. Okay, and she didn't know who Thor was. Never knew. Didn't know who Odin was. <laughs> didn't know any. And I was like, what? What? Whoa! Whoa! whoa. Right. You know. And I'm like, you don't. And she knew none of it. And, and, yeah. And, well, and outside of outside of Marvel, I don't know where you'd find it. You know. And, I'm I'm, I'm well, half Swedish. My dad is whole Swedish. I never but, learned anything about that culture when but, I was young. And see, that yeah. shocks me because where she grew up is a Swedish community in the United States, okay. in, in northern Illinois, okay. and it's Rockford, Illinois. It's like one of the biggest Swedish communities, out, and they, they parallel with Minnesota. They go back and forth, you know. And yeah. I was surprised their school system didn't even have anything, as she told me. I go, right. I go really? And she goes, no. I go, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, because I remember I had, at least in high school, and I was already reading this stuff, you know, we had the Greeks, we covered the Romans, and we covered the Norse. Yep. You know, we had a mythology course. It was good, you know, a lit, lit course that covered that stuff. And I was like, wow, I, just, I thought that was sad, actually, you know. Uh, not being aware of those other, uh, you know, uh, traditions uh, at all, you know. And I yeah. Say, wow. Yeah, we had the Greeks, the, the Greeks and Romans, um, but yeah, we never, we never. And I think we had some some Native American stuff and um, some Egyptian stuff. I remember from middle school, but we never touched the Norse at all. And so, yeah, it was really an area that I'm really glad that I've decided to delve into it and deal with because it's a really rich tradition with a lot of really fun stuff in it. Well, before we move on to something else here, tell me a little bit. Let, let's do a uh, let's do a pitch to, for the person sure. who has never even because I've held the comic book uh, at least uh, yeah, at least an issue yeah. in my hand. Uh, let's let's explain <laughs> to those. Let's paint here with the theater of the mind what it's all about. We're talking about here. So, yeah. So the story sets up that a, a grandfather and his grandkids are sitting around a fire, and they say, you know, Grandpa, Grandpa, tell us a story. And he goes, okay, I'm going to tell you uh, the origin story. And they're like, no, we know that story. That story's boring. I don't, we don't like that story. Tell us something else. And he goes, well, okay, okay. How about this? I, I know you know what's supposed to be the true origin story. Why don't I tell you another story that's actually true, that actually happened, uh, and it revolves around Odin. And they go, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And then one of the, the grandkids goes, no, I want to hear a love story. And he says, oh, that's okay. There's there's a love story in there, too. There's something for everybody. And so he, he sits them in and prepares them for the true telling of the tale of Odin. And so that's that's kind of the device that we're using to start out how the, the comic is set up, that in that first sort of preliminary issue, we call it issue zero, where, you know, Grandpa sets up the story for the kids. And then in book one, the following issue is is where Odin's story takes off. And again, you know, Od Odin is a man. Uh, he lives with the Asir uh, in his village, Asgard. And, uh, you know, they are Vikings. And um, he ends up, uh, he wakes up, he comes outside, and he finds something called a Nidstang. It's a decapitated horse's head stuck on a pole with a bunch of runes attached to it. And uh, this is an actual thing that if this showed up in your in your yard as a, a Norseman, this was quite a curse on you or your family or something. And so the the tale starts with him trying to figure out why the heck somebody put this nidstang in his front yard. Uh, cool likes to say that it's the story of how uh, Odin got his Norse street cred. 
so I kind of I kind of like that secretly. Don't tell him too much that I like that so much. Oh, I, I do. he doesn't listen to the Riley and Kimmy show, so <laughs> no, he'll he never. Doesn't. No, no, he'll no, never. He'll hear never that. know. No, no. He'll, he won't. Know. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 it, it it starts out as this just very uh, simple tale of hey, this curse happened in my front yard. Why? And then it ends up leading to the events that will eventually lead to Ragnarok and. Uh, and all the supernatural stuff, and uh, so that's kind of the that's kind of the gist without giving away too much. Now, how can somebody find this material if they're hearing this and they're going, "Hey, I really, I dig this. I want to, I want to, I want this. I want to see this, read this. How, how are they going to find it? What's the best way?" Yeah, yeah. So my website, MunsonBooks.com, uh, is a great place to uh, order some of our books. Uh, Jeff's website, I believe, is CoolAsHeck.com. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, also has a web store. Um, if you are in Minnesota or Florida, your finer comic shops should have copies of the books. And then, uh, if you pay attention to where we're headed, uh, for conventions, you'll find us there. And we're very excited to have the first, uh, sorry, the third issue, uh, which we title book two, uh, will be available at Midwest Con in Des Moines, uh, November 7th and 8th. All right, and also I know you mentioned Florida. But, uh, cool was just at Vieira Comics in Melbourne, Florida, and I was told by the owner Melbourne is going to be carrying your material. So excellent, be- happy to hear it. Thank you, Vieira Comics. Yeah, we appreciate it. That's way cool. Now, besides going to be freezing in Des Moines real soon, <laughs> yes, yeah, poor cool as heck. I hope he has enough antifreeze in him for uh, for that one. He'll, he'll be all right. He'll yeah, be. he's he's a baby now. He's been all down here. He's been you know he he's been having the nice sun and warmth. I don't know if he can uh-huh. handle that snow anymore. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Uh, we'll find out. So I'll, I'll take care of him. He'll be all right. Where are some other areas you might be? out and about at you uh you do you know this you know far into like 2016 because i know we're wrapping up 2015 for probably your part of the world unfortunately you know florida it doesn't end (laughs) yeah yeah which is pretty awesome you guys are lucky that there are so many amazing conventions and events that are happening down there um i know for a fact that i will be attending wizard world in minneapolis in 2016 as well as uh spring con um Midwest Comic Book Association does an amazing two-day spring show every year. They've changed the name, and I think it's called MSP Comic-Con, Minneapolis-St. Paul, MSP Comic-Con. But it used to be called uh, Spring Con, and many people still refer to it as that. Uh, That's an awesome show. Um, We've done a couple of other Wizard Worlds. Um, Madison, I don't know if we'll be going back there again this this coming year or not, but I bet we'll be back down in Des Moines for Wizard World. Um, I'd like to I'd like to extend out a little further. It can be tricky. Uh, you got to take time off work, pay for hotel, pay for gas, etc. But yeah, we're we're really hoping to expand further and further. And um, if anybody out there listening wants to invite us to come to something, just uh, put a little bug in our ears and let us know you got something coming up. We'd love to uh, to consider it. All right. Well, I'd hope you go to Mad City. You know, that's my old stomping grounds, the Madison area. So, you know, yeah. Oh, sure. That's, that's one of my, you know, I, I went up and down the dial all over. So that's, Sure. Cool. And, I, and I love Madison. You know, it's, it's great. Um, out of cur- um, oh, and I oh. should mention, too, you know, we're thinking about C2E2. Um, oh. That's a pretty pretty amazing show, Chicago, uh, spring of, of 2016. I know they're accepting uh, applications right now, and I'm uh, I'm pretty much uh on on the other side of the fence that i'm going to go ahead and pop one of those in and see if i can't get out there next year cool see now that's one my friends are trying to get me to go to is uh, the chicago one because i'm from you know illinois originally and i'm yeah sorry. they're like yeah. oh you, you've never been to that and i go well i've been to other you know cons but uh, <laughs> around in that area but no not that one they go you gotta come and so yeah, yeah it's supposed to be a party man yeah, I, I know it's it's definitely the biggest thing the midwest does so yeah, yeah we're gonna try to get out there that's what i've heard i, I got a couple more questions before I let you get back to the real world so you can get out of this uh, fantasy land. Um, <laughs> you know, this is my favorite place to be. So, okay. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> you have an open invitation to come on back anytime, okay? Thank you, sir. Thank and, you very And much. I do mean that because, you know, I never sleep, so we can record any time of day or night. I'm nuts, okay? <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, Jeff, and, Jeff and my production company is called Shoe Elves because we get all of our good work done at night when everybody else is sleeping. So uh, we can certainly understand how that goes. Well, that's when I do a lot of voice work 
is because oh, it's okay. quiet and you know and yep. it, you, and plus you get all of it in ahead of time the scripts or whatever somebody wants and then I can record it and get it shot out before sunrise when they need it you know it's perfect so, so, yeah, yeah exactly so yeah I can work around the clock yeah, yeah see I'm crazy <laughs> but the, the couple questions I have first one is a writing question just out of curiosity how are you writing meaning are you like Quentin Tarantino do you take the uh, the pad you know the legal pad and a pen or are you are you recording, uh, audio recording it, or are you laptoping, tablet? I mean, h- how do you get it from your mind to like Jeff? I mean, uh, how- yeah. Uh, so first couple of scripts I wrote were almost exclusively iPad. Um, I didn't have a really great office area set up in my previous uh, living location, so I just plopped down on the couch, put on some good music. Uh, my wife would be asleep, and I'd be typing away by the light of the iPad uh, most of the night. Um, in our new place, uh, since we've had our son, who's now three and a half, we've, uh, we had to upgrade in terms of our, uh, living space. And so now I do have a really nice, um, I, I have to thank my wife for letting me have the nice little, uh, office nook sort of area in uh, the loft area in our home. And, um, so I've got a desktop set up there. Um, I do the majority of my writing there now. Um, I will sometimes do pre-script work on generally post-it notes where I'll put down major plot points and then I can shift and organize them around. I can pull stuff off. I can really play with my timeline. Uh, That's been helpful. Um, For the Briz, uh, I did a lot of pre-writing. I've got a whole outline of the entire story with a lot of character notes and um little little points that i wanted to make sure that absolutely made it into the story so i guess it's sort of an amalgamation of different methods um dependent on the script or the project but i'd say the majority of what i do uh it's in my brain i think about it for months or maybe even years before i start writing it until i pretty much have the whole story plotted out in my brain and then I just sit down and plug away at it. Does it uh, is it like you're watching a movie when you write? Do you actually go into that kind of mode? Do you uh, and uh, you know? Do you actually see yeah, this? Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it's, of... it's it's definitely very cinematic. Um, and you'll you can ask some of the guys that have read my my scripts, and they'll tell you, yeah, when I'm reading, I can really see it. I see what it is that you are describing, and. Um, I, you know, I do try to give enough cues to my illustrators to give them a sense of what it is I'm seeing without being too prescriptive. You know, I want Jeff or any other illustrator I'm working with to feel like they have just as much in the story as I do. Mm. And so unless it is integral to the plot, I don't dictate visually what's happening, but I certainly will provide a lot of visual cues um in my writing that i think help uh, make that story kind of come to life in their mind as they start to think about working on illustrating see i, w- I was wondering if you wrote the movie script style you know all with the, <laughs> and i know some do you know and i've, I've heard artists des- despise that some do because it, there's just no freedom you know where every panel is totally controlled uh yeah uh, no i and that's and and here's the thing i i feel like that is not my area of expertise uh, I am not the, the visual guy, you know, I'm the words guy and I am not the blocking guy. I am not the page layout guy. I'm the words guy. So unless there is something that I, you know, if I can perfectly envision in my head, the way to block something out, I may very infrequently, uh, give some instruction as, Hey, I'd like this page to be set up this way, but I would say that's less than 5% of the time. Uh, the rest of the time, I want my my illustrators to have control and input, and um, I want them to feel like they're, the projects that we're working on together are passion projects, not just for me, but for them as well, so that they take ownership. Um, and that, you know, why would they feel like they'd want to work on something unless it was their own baby, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you something here, because I know you are a connoisseur of comic books, of you know, besides your own, I probably grew up reading them like I did, correct? You know, no, it's not. No? It's it's really funny that I didn't get into comics until after I was out of college. Okay, well that now that's fine. So but you've read yeah. you know you've read both worlds. When I say both worlds, I mean the two big the two big guys, right? You've you've read Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah, okay. I I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Batman. I like okay. a lot of the Batman stories. All right. Well, um 
DC and, and Vertigo put out some pretty cool, darker sort of stuff. V for Vendetta, that kind of stuff. Oh, I love the Alan Moore thing. I'm, I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. actually, I like his From Hell, too. The, you know, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Oh, okay. And Watchmen, we can't forget that. You know? Yeah, okay. absolutely. That's what that's what got me into comics. Okay. That and Sandman, Neil Gaiman, Sandman. It was those two that made me realize, wow, there's a lot more serious stuff going on in this medium. I can I can work with this. Well, I'm going to – I mean – we're going to do a crystal ball kind of thing here just yeah, for, okay. for, for the heck of it. And this might be another episode. Okay. Sure. So we'll, sure. We'll, if we have to do, you know, the cliffhanger thing, we'll continue it at next time. <laughs> it, it, it's great. Is, do you think maybe the big two and ways are possibly giving up on printed material? Meaning the printed are, and why I say this is I'm, I'm finishing a book <laughs> about Marvel's history and, it's, and the book was published oh, cool. like uh, 2000. I think the book was pushed 2013 by Sean Howe and uh, it's called The Marvel, The Untold Story. And he goes at, at the end of it talking about how the biggest sale item upon the publication of his book was an issue for Marvel, which was like 144,000 copies. And that was it. And when you actually, to me, when you look at the whole United States and put other parts of the world in there, and that is their total sales of that right. that thing, that is not very much. Right. And, and and you figure so you figure each of those books sold for four bucks. So we're talking about roughly a half a million dollars that they could have made. And yet when they make the Avengers movie, they make a bazillion dollars. Right. Uh, almost literally. Right. You know, and, uh, and that's why I was you're getting where I'm going is where they can they can go, OK, we can just offer this by digital, maybe period, if at all, is, is right. because, you know, we have people now who are are in the world that are going into these in, into the DC Marvel world that don't even read the comic books. They never will. There's no way. But they know the Batman. They know the characters of Marvel because of video games. They know them because of, you know, animation and because of movies and TV. And right. I, I just, you know, when I look at those numbers like that, and, and that's an older source material from a book from two, three years ago, four maybe at the most, I, I know it's maybe worse in certain circumstances. And, you know, when I look to the golden age of comic books back in the 40s when they were selling a million titles uh you know per issue per release batman's right. example captain marvel superman uh you know we're not there and, we, and we'll never return to that world it looks like you know like yeah so are, yeah. do you think you know crystal ball wise that they because my opinion is if they really cared about the comic books you would see ad- advertisements before the avengers movies you would see it after the avengers movies you'd see it after agents of shield you would see you know a rich history of comic books available at your local comic book shop blah you know yeah and i don't that's see a, that that's a great point i had never thought of that i'll tell you one thing i do know so i have a three and a half year old son uh he can tell you who spider-man superman batman uh, Wonder Woman, Hulk, Iron Man, the Falcon, uh, Black Widow, Nick Fury, etc., 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 and he ha- he can't read. Mm-hmm. So uh, where's the money? It's in licensing. Right. It's in Halloween costumes and and lunch boxes and backpacks. Yep. And in uh, in ticket sales and right. and DVD sales. Um, I think that. So I would say that the big two have an aging fan base. Right. Um, I would say that there are still many, many people that show up every every Wednesday morning at their local comic book shop, just as I do. And I see them buying stacks and stacks of, of Marvel and DC comics. But you're not seeing any um, kids, are you? No, okay. you are not. And what when you're seeing the kids, you see them go, oh, daddy, daddy, there's a stuffed animal of... Iron yeah, Man. Yeah. There's that plushie. Um, right. Right. So, yeah, I I could certainly see, and it's, they're just grasping here, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. new 52 is mm-hmm. kind of a, a bit of a sea change, but maybe a bit of a failure. It yeah. seems, are they pulling away from that now is what I think I heard recently I've that heard that, that might be over. Um, Which I thought, you know, actually, I wonder if that was a plot because here... From a marketing gimmick thing, okay, mm-hmm, they have mm-hmm. Action Comics number one thousand waiting out there. They got Batman one thousand, <laughs> Detective Comics one thousand that they basically stopped. And I can't imagine them giving up on that. I always figured they would relaunch back into that world to to tap into it. I figured. You know, I I could see that being the case because now you've got enough uh, fanboys and girls out there that are really into it, and they go, 
what have you done to my characters? You know, I, I wouldn't read this new stuff. And then bingo, let's put out the original series. Let's continue on the stories these guys liked. And they go, yeah, okay, that's right. Now I'm going to start buying comic books again. Now I'm, you know, it, it seems like that could make sense. I could see that being the case. Because the book I'm reading about Marvel talks about how Mar- Marvel cycles every so often and they kill off characters and bring them back and in the book the author questions how much longer they can do that because (laughs) the the readers are older and they said you could do that when readers were younger and they quit reading and they didn't come up they go now you got the average marvel reader i think he said was 30 in the book and they go they're reading longer and that's going to get old (laughs) you just can't keep killing off x characters it's a silly way to deal with your characters and, you know, in real life, we die and we're dead. We don't come back. And you're going to want a little bit more mature, not from like a sex and drugs and violence perspective, but from a I'm a mature reader and I, I respect me as an intelligent individual. Stop bringing Superman back from the dead. It's just kind of silly. And it's like a cash grab almost, in my opinion. Yep. Um, which is maybe why I have not been so drawn into looking at those titles so much because it seems to me, as an outsider from those two publishers, as a bit gimmicky. And I've, I've enjoyed, now that my son has a little bit of a, a longer attention span, I bought up a, a big collection of the very original uh, Spider-Man comics. You are all... Spider-Man's his favorite. You And Bravo. so we read them together. You know, he's got enough attention for maybe four or five pages. Um, he enjoys those and I've been enjoying those, but I can't see myself picking up one of the current run books and finding much to celebrate there personally. See, I, I, um, I wish DC and Marvel would open up their silver age vaults for that and release stuff for kids. And yeah, they do have the showcase and the, in the essentials, but you know, the big black and white reproductions, but actually release yep. the comic books for kids for parents mm-hmm. to do that to introduce them and because there's you know those stories are safe if you will and they're entertaining too uh, yeah you know so my son um he's got a couple of shows there's i think one called a superhero squad that's geared towards a little bit younger kids and it's all the marvel heroes wow it's like watching avengers but geared towards six-year-olds um we were at the comic shop the other day and he he goes daddy look it's all the Avengers plus Spider-Man. He just loves it when Spider-Man is a part of the Avengers. And he goes, who are these other guys? And it was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, wow. And it's some sort of crossover. And I go, oh, yeah, buddy, I don't know if we can get that. It, it looks like that's probably for older kids. But then I looked at it and it says all ages. Oh, wow. And I go, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Uh-huh. And they announced a new all ages uh, Spider-Man book coming out, a new series. Wow. And it's like so many of the comics are – gearing toward mature adult readers that they're losing the kids, Um, which is a big piece, you know, circling back to Brisingamen. We are trying to make that book very appropriate for younger readers. If you're old enough to comprehend the words of the page, there's no reason why you wouldn't be allowed to read this book. Your parents should be okay with it. Um, and I and I think that's going to be key if they want to continue in a print medium, and if it's on iPad, you know, it's still visual storytelling. It's still turning a page. It may not be, you know, what us old guys who have a, a romance with the printed page uh, might want to see. But you know, it's still getting kids engaged with words and reading and storytelling. And it's fine by me if it, you know, if my kid in in five years from now has his iPad full of digital comics, but that are age appropriate and that are telling good stories that aren't gimmicks, that aren't marketing tools, you know, that would make me incredibly happy. Uh, And I hope that Marvel and DC will, will, you know, continue down that path and make that happen aside from just becoming a, a movie studio. Well, I think the movie studio thing is probably the you know movie TV studios the the thing and in their and obviously their primary focus. Uh, yeah. I, 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 but I also see that the indies, the independents, can actually fill a gap, you know, uh, there and and yep. capture a very niche market that will do very well for them uh, if they do the other two kind of pull away a little bit. You know, I think it'll help. Uh, big yeah, time. image image is killing it. I, I mean, I I buy up almost every single issue of everything they're doing right now and i love reading them it's the creator owned stuff it's the indie guys like me that are that are putting out books that have unique and interesting stories to tell a character dies and they're dead (laughs) a story has a limited run and the arc is told and the story is over 
um, it's it's a more I I feel it's a more true uh, method of storytelling. There's a beginning and an end. You know, we're not just going to launch into this and see how sales continue. And if we can make it for a thousand issues, by God, we're going to come up with a story that'll be a thousand issues long. <laughs> if we have so, to repeat it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I think I feel like comics are are definitely not dead. It's it's like vinyl, you know, it's coming back. And if you look at comic book sales over the, the – I just looked at these numbers the other day because I was having a conversation with somebody going, I believe printed comic books are the only growing print medium currently. And, wow. they, and they are. I, I verified that fact. Wow. And I think a lot of it is because of what image certainly – but then you've got great – other presses out there, um, Oni Press is doing awesome stuff. First Second is really great. Uh, Boom Studios is really great. Uh, Black Mask is on fire. If you haven't picked out any Black Mask comics yet, you're missing out on some of the best uh, visual storytelling currently available. And I think these indie houses, these uh, creator-owned houses, this is where the future of comics is, and it gets me really excited to be a part of the medium and even a very small piece. Well, I have to push uh, one person you mentioned there, or one of the publishers, and that is uh, Boom Studios because of George Perez. He, George Perez, you know, yeah. master of DC and Marvel, is at Boom Studios, and his Sirens uh, comic book is something to check out. If you love George Perez, I mean, it's it's mind-boggling what he does with it, and uh, it's yeah. him, him at top game. Uh, and that's well, and, a, and how many how many guys are getting pulled from these uh, creator-owned books to start writing other stuff? You've right. got. Uh, what Chip Zdarsky is it Chip or Matt Fraction? I forget which one is the writer out of the two of them. But they he came on to do Howard the Duck, right? You know, it's like and and uh, Rick Remender, uh, uh-huh. awesome awesome uh, writer, does a lot of uh, Marvel or DC owned stuff. But then his main focus and passion is on, on his uh, creator owned projects. And so I think those guys are getting hip to the fact of where where people are going and where new readers are coming on and where people are buying comics. Um, and so hopefully that is something that continues to grow and maybe it'll, maybe it'll shape or affect the big two. And, um, you know, maybe we'll start seeing some cool new organic superhero stories or, you know, uh, some, some cool new plot elements going into, uh, the new Marvel movies coming out. I'd love to see that stuff happening. All right, Lucas, I'm going to let you go. We'll let you get back to creating, which you do so well. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And uh, once I, and as I said before, uh, open microphone. The studio is open to you anytime. We'd love to have you, part, you of the, part of the show and talk about uh, anything you like uh, in the world of uh, creation. Well, thank you, and to Kimmy as well for having me on. This was a blast talking to you. Thank you very much. Visit RileyandKimmy.com to connect on social media and for archive podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.